listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Thursday, August the 20th, in the year of our Lord, 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me, my co-host, Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How you doing? Uh, well, I'm all set to get into more nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Once I started taking a closer look at it, it was a nightmare. Yes, we had been looking at, uh, I was on YouTube, Kitchen Nightmares, about a chef who goes into restaurants. In fact, I just saw one recently, and he got it all going good, came back a month later, and the restaurant had closed because the people didn't Hmm. follow his advice. And, uh, I mean, it was filled with nightmares. What we're talking about is worship nightmares where God looks on it as a nightmare because it's filled with false doctrine. And we have done a number of items. We looked at hymns, parables, confession of sins, the Lord's Supper, sermons that were legalistic, etc. And uh, today we're going to be taking a look at baptism. But before we do that, I had one of the worst nightmares I've ever had. Oh, what was that? Yeah, I actually dreamed this. I was in church about to do a baptism of five children. Hmm. And the organist was up in the balcony, so I'm not even sure what church it was. But I had forgotten to give the opening hymn. And so it was like, let's say it was 830 And I began to look for the area in baptism in the hymnal. And Mm. I couldn't find it. I asked the members of the congregation. The congregation was actually filled. And from 8.30 till 25 minutes after 9, I still couldn't find a hymn. That is a pastor's worst nightmare, isn't it? Oh, I tell you, uh, the people were all leaving. The church was becoming empty. And uh, there was more to the nightmare, but boy, I I woke up and I really thought it had been true. And man, that is a terrible nightmare I had. Yeah. So, go ahead. Yeah, that I've I've had those before too, where a baptism or the Lord's Supper doesn't quite go off right, and you go, "Oh my goodness, what's what what's happening now?" Yeah, I was talking to folks where we're doing uh, two baptisms this Sunday, and they said, well, what could possibly go wrong in baptism? You know, you're you're following the order of worship in the hymnal, etc. And I told them about a time I was baptizing four children and three adults all at once, and I began with a little baby, and Hmm. the father held the baby by the stomach, put his head down Ooh. toward the water, and the baby threw up into the baptismal water. Oh, my, I never had that. I had triplets once, and we had gone through a practice session on how we were going to set them up. Right. And uh, right before the baptism, they had to switch, you know, one around the other so that they had them by the right names. Because I, as I told them, I said, only you can tell me what, what which which were the right names. 
I write the names on a card and put it on the baptismal font. So well, I do too. I don't. But fool when you got with three that. of them, well, when you have three of them and they all look alike, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got to get them in the right order. Well, then you put a cord with a card around their neck and their name on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these uh, ones this Sunday are shorter children, so we have to have a step that we put up there so they can get their heads up to the water. And mm -hmm. um, normally I like using a shell, which they also have at this church, but you can't do that with uh, older children because their head is bent down. And then they also have going to have masks on. So I'm going to mm. use my hand and put water on their forehead and hopefully not get their mask too wet. So you sprinkle them, you don't immerse them, huh? Oh, you immerse them at your church? <laughs> I've never done an immersion baptism yet. Yeah, I had one of our listeners phone and he had a friend and they were out fishing talking to him about Jesus, and the man wanted to be baptized. So my friend baptized him. Now, my friend isn't a pastor, but we have an emergency right for a baptism. And he told me that they were standing in the water, but the water wasn't, it was only about oh, a foot deep in the uh, river they were fishing in. And so he just used his hand and applied water to his forehead. And that's how he was baptized. So he wasn't even immersed, even though they were in a river. And, of course, we, we say the power of baptism comes from the Word of God connected with the water. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a moment. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is though baptism, boy, by a majority of evangelicals like Baptists, etc., they don't regard it as a sacrament as the Bible does, and that comes from the Anabaptists. Remember mm. them during the time of the Reformation? A little bit. Tell me more about them. Yes. They did not believe in baptism, and Luther writes this. How can we receive forgiveness of sins through baptism? There is nothing but a handful of water there. If we are really to be purified from sin... The Holy Spirit must do it. Water cannot do it. And Luther says, in this way, they strip forgiveness of sins away from the word and refuse to leave the matter where the good people here put it, who glorified God for giving such power to men. And that's right after C.F.W. Walther had talked about when Jesus healed this one individual, he forgave his sins. And somebody asked the hypocritical Pharisees, who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, never ask a question to Jesus, because he'll come back. He asks, answers, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? And the Pharisees refuse to answer this. Now, mm. the point that's made is the people who witness all this know that Christ is a man. His miracle does not offend them because he's already given powerful evidence that he is also the Son of God. And now they begin to glorify God for having given the power to forgive 
to men, which mm. of course Jesus did on the night of the resurrection. Remember what he says yeah. to the apostles? Peace be with you. And whosoever sins you forget, they are forgiven, and whoever sins you keep, they are kept. This is really important. It's one of the best points that I think CFW Walter talks about is that the fact of the matter is, is God is deciding whether forgiveness comes on the basis of what we say. This is really important that God is listening to human beings and that therefore when we forgive sins, it's as though God himself is forgiving them. Yeah. I found a good Luther quote from his catechism on baptism. Go. Baptism is no human plaything, but it is instituted by God himself, which falls into line with what you're talking about. It's God's listening. It's God who's instituted it. Yes. It's not simple water, but it's water connected to the word. Whereas the Anabaptists at the time of Luther had an entirely new way about which the Bible does not say a word, namely that people are to struggle until they can say, now I feel that I have obtained grace. And that is an awful doctrine, much more harmful than most people imagine. Look at the hundreds of infants that are not baptized because people belong to churches where baptism is not recognized as a sacrament. Sacrament, yep. And, and of course, when it comes to infants, we uh, look at them as part of nations, where in Matthew 28, where he says, baptize all nations. Yes. And what does Peter say at Pentecost when they say, what can we do? Be baptized that's a passive, something that God's going to do to them. And you'll receive two gifts, the gift of the remission of sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the promise is to you and to your household or children. Yes, little ones. And so Paul even mentions that baptism is the new circumcision. And... Mm. You know, when they baptized, that was the eighth day for, uh, now, I, I'm sorry, when they circumcised. Yeah. Now, what do you do when they say there's the water baptism and there's the spirit baptism? Yes. What they believe, and unfortunately, that was Zwingli at the time of the Reformation and Calvin improved on Zwingli's reasoning and unfortunately convinced a lot of the French and the English to go reform. The Germans did not. They stayed Lutheran. But be that as it may, he taught that not only baptism, but the Lord's Supper was a spiritual kind of thing. Like in the Lord's Supper, you only receive bread and wine. You can't receive the body and blood of Christ because that's up in heaven. And then through faith, you receive the benefits by believing that you get them from heaven, not mm. from the bread and the wine. 
It's good to to take a look at the history to finally see some of the abuses that we see going on in our world around us. I mean, you talk about it from a reform side, but uh, just recently I ran into uh, a person who who said that uh, Roman Catholic priests told him that only a Roman Catholic priest baptism is is accepted, no other baptisms. Well, you know why they say that. That's also true about marriage. Unless you're married by a Roman Catholic, it's not a valid marriage. Marriage. Yeah, they they take this succession from the Pope. Yes. And that's a big difference, what the papacy teaches versus what a lot of Roman Catholics believe. But I uh, remember it was at Emmanuel Lutheran Olivet that Pastor Hoffman was marrying uh, one of his members to a Roman Catholic. And the Roman Mm. Catholic had said they agreed with Lutheran theology. But after the marriage, as they were walking back down the aisle to greet the people, they stopped and a priest stepped out of the aisle, gave them the sign of the cross, and then they kept on going in order that the Roman Catholic would believe that the marriage was valid. I had never seen that before. Wow. Yeah, the sacraments in the Roman Catholic Church, there's seven of them, and uh, they they believe it needs to be done by a priest because when you get ordained, you have an indelible character. And a lot of people could wonder about that. What if, you know, we've had pastors removed from their parishes because of maybe stealing money or fooling around with little kids or having a relationship with a woman, not their wife. And then they wonder, well, was my baptism valid? What's our answer to that? Well, baptism doesn't rest upon the person doing it. It rests on, on the word of God. Uh, Excellent. It's, it's the same way when we do uh, confession and absolution at the beginning of the service, where the pastor says, in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. You know, in baptism, we're doing the same thing. We're, we are saying in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, baptism is being committed. Yes. That's very important to understand. If the word of God is used in a congregation where they believe it is a sacrament, it doesn't matter even if the pastor is an unbeliever in his own heart. It still is a valid baptism. And there again, historically, we go back to the Donatist controversy where they had uh, pastors that that were uh, less than honest and kind of find out what we're teaching and were the baptisms done correctly. And the church had decided that uh, it rested on the word, not the individual. Yes. And some of these pastors were trying to get back into the church after repenting and people didn't want them, but they did decide that if they truly repented of their false teaching, that they could return as pastors if they were confessional in their teaching. And so all the baptisms they had done in the Lord's Supper were valid 
because of the basis of the word of God that makes them valid. Right. Another one that I ran across was uh, there's a teaching in the Roman Catholic Church that baptism takes away uh, original sin versus Augustine, Augustine saying that uh, it it is imputed. What does that mean, imputed? Imputed, that that, uh, the effects of sin uh, are not given to us, but taken away by, by Christ's death and resurrection. Yes, we do believe that the forgiveness of sins means that because Jesus Christ died on the cross, that we are no longer held accountable for the payment that our sins deserve, eternal damnation. And that's what Jesus did. So the reason you're able to forgive even an infant is because that infant is receiving the blessed sacrament and the word of God has a promise. You know, I've never understood why people won't baptize children because Mm -hmm. they say, well, the child doesn't know what's going on. They have to make a decision in this. And yet if they have a, in fact, um, we just talked to, you know, a tree had fallen on our roof and they came today and took away the tree. And I was talking to the main individual who's working with us through State Farm. And he's had a real problem because this past week, his wife gave birth prematurely and there was some danger to her, but now everything is going okay. And she was at the hospital, the child was at the hospital, and I didn't ask him, well, did you check out whether the doctors were believers? (laughs) You get my point, don't you? Yeah. If the doctors were using the proper medicine and medical care, it doesn't matter if they're an atheist. God still can use what they're doing, which he did in this situation, and help out the mother and the child. And yet when it comes to the salvation of children, uh, they they believe the child's going to make some kind of decision or something, and therefore it's not a valid baptism. Yeah. Well, there you point point out that they're, they're they're basing it upon the person and not the the word. That it is God who's instituted there, as Luther said before, baptism's not a uh, plaything, but it's instituted by God. It's God's word connected with the water. Yes, there's a part in our catechism that I want you to explain more mm. because it talks about. A baptism, the Lord's Supper, etc., and that is called the keys. What are the keys, as spoken about in the Catechism? Well, the office of the keys deals with uh, the forgiving of confession and absolution, forgiveness of sins, uh, and uh, the retention thereof. in connection with uh, Matthew 18. And why do we call it a key? Because it opens and closes heaven. Yes, yes, very important. In fact, what Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth, uh, note that he promises most certainly that what we bind or loose on earth 
will be bound or loosed. Uh, the keys work without fail. Jesus does not say, what I bind or loose in heaven, you also will bind or loose on earth, but rather what you bind or loose will also be bound or loose in heaven. And well, therefore, I got a question for you. Go. Uh, how is that different than where we say at the beginning of the service, in the sentence, by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive all the sins. If we're binding sins here on earth and then turning around and saying, by the forgiveness of Jesus, your sins are forgiven, uh, that's a losing, of course, but uh, how is it that, that it can be bound? If the person is, uh, let's say, you know, you bounded, bound their sins when they were in your office, and then they... they uh, well, why the do we bind sins? Because they're unrepentant. That's the point. If there's not an act of unrepentance that the person admits to, then we cannot bind their sins. We okay, lose what them. If, what if they go to California and you don't see them ever again from your, from your church and you bound their sins? How are they unloosed? They're unloosed when they come to faith, and it doesn't mean... They could be in a house reading the Bible uh, like Luther did, reading Romans, and all of a sudden it opens up to him. And in this case, we'd be talking about a specific sin and realize it is a sin, uh, repent of it, and then they would be forgiven, even if these things happen in the mind. For example, we may bind the sins of a homosexual who believes that it is not a sin. But if later on he moves away, doesn't attend a church, but reads the Bible and finds that it is contrary to the will of God and repents of it, then his sin is loosed. And I very well said, very well explained. I mean, it really comes down to the power of the word in, in the life of the individual when it comes to baptism, Lord's Supper, you know, or the, or the word itself in, in the life of the individual. Yes, in fact, here's a statement from C.F.W. Walther on Law and Gospel. Be assured that God has no other way of forgiving sins than by the word that he has commanded us to speak. Mm. And that occurs in baptism. It occurs in the Lord's Supper. And it certainly occurs in absolution. There is no other way that God can forgive sins. Or in other words, there's no other way that what Jesus did on the cross can be transferred to human beings than by the word of God that we are commanded to speak. That's comes really back. important. It really comes back to... Uh... Well, we've discussed uh, last week and previous weeks is between what man does and what God has done for us in, in, in and through his word. Right. And that's why it's so sad that a number of congregations are still teaching that you're saved by what you do 
in contrast to the Bible, which makes it very clear that you're saved by what Christ has done, as you just said. Yeah, it makes it, 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 in a sense, frees us to go out and to do good works because it doesn't rest on us, it rests on, on Christ. Yes, in fact, CFW Walther has a, a little analogy. He says, suppose a king gives you a castle, but you do not accept it. Does that make the king a liar, nor his gift deceptive? You have cheated yourself. It is entirely your own fault. The king most certainly did give you the castle. Christ, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, gives out the forgiveness of sins. And those who do not receive it doesn't make God deceptive. It's because they deny it. Hmm. It comes back to full circle to Luther's comment that baptism is no human plaything, but it is instituted by God himself. It's God's word that, that makes the sacrament. It's God's word and the forgiveness of sins that's given to us. Well, thanks again for another worship nightmare we examined. We examined about seven of them. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, Open Mic Friday, we will respond to emails received sent to Gospel at lawandgospel101.com. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.